Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group webinar. Today is June 19th, 2023. We are very glad to have all of you here joining us today for this uh, important work. Before we begin, let us take just a moment to align ourselves with our own souls and also with the group and the group soul and sound together the noontime recollection. We know, O Lord of light and love, about the need. Touch our hearts anew with love, that we too may love and give. Again, welcome, welcome everyone. Today we meet for the triangles work to support the triangles service activity. And um, the purpose really is twofold. First of all, we meet to introduce new members to the work of triangles and to aid them in the forming of triangles to answer any questions they might have and to really just introduce them to the Triangles community, or at least one part of it. The webinar also seeks to create a platform who are already members of Triangles to come together each week and to participate in a meditative visualization in support of the Triangles work. This aids to strengthen the planetary network. Triangles is a rather simple technique a simple visualization technique, which uses the power of thought and prayer to uplift and transform human and planetary consciousness. In this work, three people agree to form a triangle, and once a day they visualize their triangle as a triangle of lighted, loving communication, and they visualize first their triangle, but then also their triangle embedded within a planetary network of triangles. And as this network is visualized, they sound the great invocation, which releases spiritual energies into human consciousness, but also into the entire etheric network, which surrounds and interpenetrates all life upon our planet. This work only takes really a few minutes each day and can therefore be fit into even the busiest of schedules. Triangles members do not have to link up at the same time each day. The idea is that this lighted triangle of goodwill and of light exists all the time and each member merely needs to vivify that link whenever they can once a day. So if you have any questions about triangles or you're new to the work, or if you'd like to form a triangle, um, we invite you just to type in the chat box and um, any questions you may have, or if you're looking for a partner, and we will try to either connect you with the information you're looking for, or even to connect you with two other people on the webinar today who, who may be interested in forming a triangle. Today we have a, a very special guest, Judith Hegedus, who will be speaking today on the challenges of cleansing the emotional body. Judith is a Hungarian, Hungarian student of the writings of the Ageless Wisdom and also a student in the Arcane School. She has a keen interest in the role of goodwill in international relations. And she has been working in education for 15 years first in New York, focusing on global student mobility, and now heads a Catholic private school foundation in Austria. And Judith will speak today after our meditative visualization in support of the Triangles Network. 
But now, however, um, let us do a, as we do every week, a short visualization in support of the five planetary centers, which are centers of planetary consciousness, which today are um, evolving to be potent um, forces, etheric centers of, of spiritual energy on the planet. So we begin by visualizing the planet as a sphere of lighted energy. Now visualize within that planetary sphere, a triangle. This is the triangle of the three pl primary planetary centers. Shambhala, the planetary head center, the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart, and humanity, the planetary throat center. Visualize the circulation of energies flowing in all directions around the triangle from point to point, merging and blending the three points and filling the triangle with light. superimposed upon that triangle, visualize a five-pointed star. This is the star of the world teacher, linking east and west, past and future, and radiating the energy of love wisdom. At each point of the star, the sphere of his activity stands an outpost of his consciousness. These are the five planetary centers. We visualize the energies radiating forth from the center of the star 
and through the five points. London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, and Tokyo. We visualize these outpouring energies enlivening small groups gathering everywhere, aiding them to focus and direct the energies into the consciousness of all humanity, solving its problems, creating right human relations, and restoring peace on Earth. Sound together the mantra. Radiance we are in power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need we reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. Thank you, everyone. So it's important to recognize that the reason we do this visualization on the planetary centers each week is they are very important to the awakening process, which is going on on our planet at this time, not just our planet in the sort of physical sense, but in the, in the spiritual sense, especially. And it's very much to do with the, with the topic of um, the externalization of the hierarchy. These five centers are definitely etheric centers in one sense um, and planetary centers, but they are also very much human centers because humanity is very much part of the planetary life. And as the planetary heart center hierarchy comes into greater externalization um, on the physical, emotional, and mental planes, their way of approach will first be through these through these five centers and, and energetically, especially through these five centers. So I'd like to speak briefly now on the theme of um, truth, reality, and the operation of the law before we proceed into our meditation for today. The theme of truth is often lauded as a spiritual value and today humanity is placing increased attention on the concept of truth and particularly what is perceived to be a deficit, a deficit of truth in the public 
and political spheres. The term post-truth has now been coined to denote a time or era in which objective facts are less relevant to public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. And this recognition of the lack of factual truth in our social discourse presents humanity with several crises. It brings into question the value of the virtue of basic honesty. When dishonesty can result in immediate political, economic, and social gain, to what extent will society continue to value truth and honesty? This is the decision which society is making at this time. Are we willing to sacrifice economic and political gain, as well as our ideological self-righteousness in the name of truth? What other virtues are suppressed at the expense of selfish gain is another question humanity must today confront. This crisis of truth also presents us with a crisis of discrimination. And in a world where you cannot trust all sources of information, how does one decide what is true and what is false? Must we all become experts in every field? Who can we trust? On another level, it is also a crisis of emotional control. For if one's emotional body is so easily stimulated into activity by others, we remain vulnerable to intellectual manipulation, being ruled by ideas and suggestions rather than our own conscience, our own minds and hearts. How can humanity hone its collective psyche, emotions and mind, and build the foundations of personal agency and free will? Similarly, we ask the question, how can one detach from closely held personal beliefs so that truth may be seen free from prejudice? I think every personal belief holds the seeds of some form of prejudice one way or another, either for or against. These prejudices, many very subtle, but often more obvious if we were to but look at them, they may be ideological, or they may be any number of things. They are, of course, or the tendency to have these beliefs, have these prejudices as inherent in the human condition. And yet they prevent us from the fullest manifestation of our spiritual power. And so must be um, watched against. This spiritual power is the power of fundamentally of right vision, which sees oneself and one's ideas in right proportion to the whole. It is the power to heal divisions, to create an alignment with divine intention, and thus to wield in small measure the spiritual energy which permeates all forms of life. To awaken to the reality of one's own soul is to awaken also to the reality of that same soul in others, and likewise, the soul in all. It is the soul that sees and knows the good, which knows the right. And every human being is potentially a soul in incarnation, and thus a light bearer, for the soul is light. One bears the light by becoming that light in manifestation in their outer acts, deeds, and thoughts. And once accomplished, he then carries that illumination to others and can light the way before them. The ageless wisdom teaches that illumination and the perception of truth are in fact synonymous. This is an important statement to deeply ponder. Illumination and the perception of truth are synonymous. And it is important to be clear that this illumination of which the spiritual literature teaches is not the perception of the abstract or so-called pure truth of the spiritual planes, but rather that measure of truth which is knowable and can be formulated into concrete terms. 
Esotericism sees the constitution of man inclusive of those higher realms of abstract truth. Yet through alignment and mental development, every man and woman becomes potentially a soul and outer expression and a lighted bridge whereby these higher archetypes and principles so perfectly expressed in the higher worlds can be brought down to earth to expressed in concrete form. We are told that glamour is what distorts the manifested world and this is actually human created. And uh, to dispel glamour requires the light of truth, the light of the soul. And such work is not easy at all for it requires one to truly face the truth, that is to abandon the glamour. And quite often this requires admitting wrong. This seems very easy in theory, but in practice, it can be incredibly difficult. It requires self-mastery. And a cold and dispassionate approach to all phenomena, really, as well as the cultivation, importantly, of true humility. The Tibetan writes that humility is, quote, one of the most potent factors in releasing the illuminating power of the mind as it reflects and transmits the light of the soul, end quote. True occultism, which is the path of the highest altruism, requires the total renunciation of self, that is the separated self. And this path leads not only to illumination and knowledge, but to the fullest wielding of the law of love, by which means one becomes a true beneficent force in nature. And though much of the discussion about our so-called post-truth era focuses on the deficit of factual truth rather than rational or, or moral truth, there seems to be a growing recognition of the close relationship between these two. That is fact on one hand and this idea of a rational or moral truth on the other. And though conceptually distinct, both, both types of truth have fundamentally to do with reality, either in this physical realm, material manifestation, or the higher realm of ideation, spirit. Helena Blavatsky throws light on this relationship in a comment she makes regarding the law of correspondences. She says, quote, there is but one life and law, and he that worketh it is one. Nothing is inner, nothing is outer, nothing is great, nothing is small, nothing is high, nothing is low in the divine economy, end quote. She also said that spirit and matter are but two expressions of the one great immutable principle. Fact, therefore, factual truth, moral truth, and divine truth, we can say are equally the operation of the same great principle, though in different spheres of expression. Triangles, bringing it back now to triangles, is a, as we know, a means of working with the light of the soul and illuminating human consciousness with love and importantly also with spiritual direction. Triangles is a dispelling light which clarifies this operation of the law, this law of truth on all three planes of human manifestation. The physical plane where we live and move, the emotional plane where we dream, imagine, envision the way forward, and of course also the mental plane, whereby knowledge of the mundane world and of spiritual law are at last reconciled. And so let us now keep in mind this important role of triangles in illumination and in truth bearing of light bearing as we proceed now into our meditation. We link in thought as a soul and as a point of light with all those people throughout the world who are working 
with this triangles meditation group. We sound together the mansion of love. In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. We visualize that triangle in which you are working as an essential and radiant part of the worldwide triangles network. Now we lift the consciousness into the light of the group soul, the heart of love, which underlies and infuses the network. worked from your individual triangle to the network of triangles to the heart of love which underlies the network move the consciousness lift the consciousness still higher to the world teacher who stands not only as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy but also the heart of each triangle thus underlying it all
precipitation. We visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the triangle's network. Visualize energies unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness and establishing right human relationships. Sun mansion of unification. The sons of men are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact to do service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life in all events, and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate, and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. Sound the great invocation. And as you repeat each stanza, visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities 
and humanity, and a channel through which the light, love, and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the mind, into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Oh. Thank you, everyone. So I'd like to invite Judith to unmute yourself and the floor is yours. Thank you so much, Michael. And um, greetings to everyone um, from a very warm evening in Budapest, Hungary. Um, I know for some of you it's day, for some of you it's evening. Um, it's a, it's a very interesting topic to talk about the cleansing of the emotional body um, and what the challenges are. And this is something that we all, I think, ponder probably regularly. So I'm really grateful for this opportunity to speak on this and share some thoughts with you. Um, like I said, we often speak about how important and relevant this is, cleansing the emotional body. Uh, given the importance of the times humanity is currently going through, which Michael actually alluded to earlier. Um, for disciples and aspirants, this is a task of utmost importance, actually. The majority of the, of the world population today is still Atlantean in consciousness and therefore polarized in their emotional body. Also referred to as the astral body, but I will keep saying the emotional body. That means in the solar plexus or in the etheric heart. Emotional polarization means the world and all experiences connected to our daily life are experienced primarily through emotions. Much around us, given our societies and world economy, appeals to our emotional nature nowadays. The marketing of all kinds of products, programs to improve us as personalities, but also the extreme polarization that is obvious in politics in many countries and actually a relatively new phenomenon. The entire advertising industry is built on the fact of the emotional body and its mechanism, although I doubt those that work in this industry are uh, fully conscious of this. Everything they do aims to create an emotional response in us. We're bombarded with product ads that appeal to how we feel. Products to some extent lost their utility from practical use. So-called aspirational products are now all over and we spend money on them simply because we feel good having them. 
which is actually an aspiration, but in this context, a lower level one. Sentimental attachments pass for love, leaving many to wonder what love actually is. But what is actually an emotional response and how does it work? I would best describe it as a reaction in us coming from either the solar plexus or the etheric heart that latches onto emotions expressed by others. These reactions are often instantaneous or at least very quick. No words need to be spoken. We just feel something in us that connects to the other emotions expressed. Our emotional reactions strengthen the others and vice versa. As we know from the teachings, the emotional plane swirls with all kinds of emotions. There isn't a particular structure here. And emotions are not necessarily ordered in one way or, or another. And these currents can be very strong. It is very easy being stuck on this plane. The hierarchy could be actually stimulating the emotional plane now in order to enable the needed steps forward towards mental polarization. The outgoing sixth ray, that of devotion and idealism, could also have an effect on strengthening the emotional body as it is going out and ceding its place to the incoming seventh ray. I would also add that um, a lot of us have um, sixth ray in our emotional bodies, dominating the emotional bodies anyway. All of this also has an impact on the heart. Actually, I would say a positive impact. In my immediate environment in Central Europe, um, I have seen a tremendous and spontaneous outpouring of support for Ukrainian refugees, for example, when the war started last February. In Hungary, this happened actually despite the government not organizing a formal response or even encouraging its citizens to help, taking the somewhat cynical view that refugees will just travel onto Western Europe anyway, so we need to do nothing. However, from the ground up, private citizens have organized a system to help, relying on donations of money and time from individuals. Many have taken refugees into their homes. And I've just seen a survey today. Um, they asked Hungarians if they would be willing to have even more if more refugees came, and two-thirds of them said yes. So it looks like this is here to stay in some way. We are continuing a process here as humanity. In Lemurian times, the goal was to create a functioning and coordinated physical slash etheric body. In Atlantean times, the focus became coordinating the emotional body and we're still in these post-Atlantean times working towards mental polarization in really intense uh, circumstances. Of course, mental polarization is actually the goal because that allows the mind to receive soul impressions and let the brain process them properly. On the emotional plane, we're not open to the soul. The question arises, ideally, what is the proper role of the emotional body? It is to register love as pure reason. For this, of course, it needs to be calm and clear. We need its perceptive qualities to respond to our fellow human beings in need. I think it is also important to remember, thoughts cleanse emotions and emotions cleanse the etheric body. The many different modalities used in alternative healthcare systems like Reiki or Prananadi or Body Talk are based on this idea. Of course, bypassing the emotional body is not possible just to pretend that it's not there and, and not pay any attention to it. Although it could be a reason to say it's causing us so much trouble, let's just not deal with it. We don't have this option as it is part of the threefold integrated personality along with the mental and the physical bodies. We also cannot just tell ourselves don't react. Although, of course, not reacting to emotional content is part of the solution. But we do have to react if it means helping our fellow humans in need 
And we need to be receptive to their suffering in order to have appropriately, however, some mental qualities are needed. And the basis for our actions has to be love and goodwill. And our seeing us and all other lives as part of the one humanity. Cleansing the emotional body is really creating mental polarization and transforming it and adjusting it from an upward direction. If the soul is absent, no effective cleansing of the emotional body is possible. It is the soul impressions entering the mind that allow mental polarization to develop, but there's also something else. We need a certain amount of mental discipline, thinking, detachment, dispassion, and discrimination. The three Ds play a very important role here. Let me try to give some practical definitions of these three Ds the way I understand them now. Detachment is the lack of emotional attachment and the ability to view ideas, people, and events on the physical plane from a broad perspective and seeing their interconnectedness and placing everything in the context of the one humanity. A loving heart is much needed here as detachment can easily turn into coldness without it. And I think this is often the case now, especially in the economic sphere, where we, we talk about efficiency. Detachment without the heart and with efficiency could end really badly for us. Dispassion is a state of being emotionally uninvolved, but it is important to note that it doesn't mean disinterest. When we do something with dispassion, we are observers. We still act, but we're observers, implying that we don't grab um, just one piece of the puzzle and run with it, but our actions originate in the pure love and goodwill of the whole. Instead of passion, we should, which is an emotional um, thing, we should use the conviction stemming from a mentally polarized mind and strong intuition, which is enabled by the soul. And the third, discrimination is absolutely a mental activity. We need to be able to understand the differences among ideas, actions, and events, and distinguish the real from the unreal. It is easier when dispassion and detachment are also practiced at the same time, and via soul impressions entering the mind, the intuitive faculty is awakened. A good way to practice right now in the media, it's flooded with fake news. And uh, as Michael also talked about this earlier, um, we are in this post-truth era. So if we want to read the news with intuition, there is a lot to do and we won't be bored. All of this takes place on the subjective plane. All of these are mental qualities which will play a role in quieting down the emotional body. The role of meditation is crucial. I think we all know that. Um, since meditation allows the soul impressions to enter our mind. I think we all have that experience in meditation when the mind is quiet and therefore the emotional body is also quiet. Solutions to emotional problems after meditation appear in our mind. In order to overcome the challenges of cleansing the emotional body to achieve mental polarization, an important triangle has to be built between the soul, the mind, and the brain. This is key. And as students are often told, don't forget the heart. We cannot forget the heart and how important it is to link it to the mind and the triangle of soul, mind, and brain. Love then becomes pure reason. Thank you. Thank you, Judith. That was a really lovely presentation. Very, very enlightening. Um, a very important topic for us. Thank you so much. Um,
I'm sure many people have had um, emotional challenge in their life of one sort or another. And we all sort of work with the emotions differently, I think. Um, but I think all of us have experienced the, the difficulties, perhaps some more than others. We've all experienced the difficulties of, of working uh, with the emotions. And um, yeah, so thank you very much. So um, like to now and open up the floor to anybody that has a, uh, would like to share any comments they have, or if you'd like to ask a question either to Judith or just to the, or myself or to the group in general um, about the theme or about the meditation we've done or about triangles in general, of course, all are open for discussion. Um, you can type in the chat box or raise your hand by going to the reactions um, button on your Zoom toolbar. Go to reactions and then click raise hand. Um, but while people are collecting their thoughts, Judith, I just wanted to say um, this, what you brought up about um, sort of detachment, like needing to obviously work with detachment as an important sort of spiritual practice, but not becoming too cold or disinterested or disconnected from our fellow uh, men and women or from the planet itself. I think that brings up a very, a very important issue when talking about the purifying of the emotional body is that often the ageless wisdom is seen as sort of um, the emotional body is sort of like the boogeyman, you know, and we have to obviously uh, sort of cancel that or get over it or sort of rebuke the emotional body entirely. Sometimes people interpret the teachings that way, but that's not really the case as that's, would you say? Judith, you're, you're, you are muted though, so. Wow. Um, you know, I just read a really interesting film critic. I'm starting from a, a little bit far away, but um, okay. uh, given your question, but uh, there was a film that was shown um, at the Cannes Film Festival a couple of weeks ago. It is called Zone of Interest. Mm -hmm. And it is actually about the really, really dark times of humanity. It is about um, uh, Auschwitz, but not actually about Auschwitz itself. It's about how the um, commanding officer, the main commanding officer of, of the camp lived with his family. And the film is only showing his family. And mm -hmm. the film critic, uh, the main takeaway was that detachment was used um, by the Nazis in creating um, dehumanizing, it was a dehumanizing tool to create distance among between human beings. And they introduced new language into bureaucracy. Like they wouldn't use the word kill, they would just say dispatch instead mm -hmm. of kill. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought, wow, that is detachment. So they used detachment on purpose for years to turn the human minds away from being able to be connected to the heart. That was my main takeaway from mm -hmm. this. And in a way, they have shut down parts of the emotional body this way that would have actually been able to respond to those in need or those suffering. That mm -hmm. was shut down, but another part of the emotional body wasn't shut down. And that was actually the materialistic side enjoying, for example, nice clothes or, and the movie shows that. I think it's coming into theaters worldwide very soon. Um, but, but it's very interesting how you can manipulate the emotional body. This is an extreme case, right? An extreme mm -hmm. case of coldness and detachment that hopefully won't happen again. Um, and I think we are making sure it won't happen again when we actually take our emotional nature higher. So we don't mm -hmm. shut parts of it down. We don't identify with it. But I think this ability to connect it to the heart and, yeah. and respond to the needs of others, this is very important, especially because, as you said, the soul is group conscious. Mm -hmm. So I think this will happen almost automatically when 
um, we're soul infused, which should be the goal for all of us eventually. Yeah, it seems perhaps they detached from the soul rather than just the emotions, you know. I think, um, too. yeah, those yeah. of us who have studied the ageism for a long time, we <clears throat> sort of, I think, don't realize, at least I guess I should just speak for myself, perhaps, <laughs> but don't realize how, um, how, what a fine line it is to distinguish between that which is lower and that which is higher. Because we always talk about like the, the constitution of man or the um, planes of the solar system in a hierarchy of their sort of spiritual subtleness, not even their spiritual subtleness, just their material subtleness, starting with the physical, then going to the emotional, astral, mental, buddhic, and on upwards. Um, but in fact, that's just one way to look at them. In fact, they all interpenetrate each other. And so, so much of the soul does penetrate the astral body, you know, especially in humanity. And so, and as you say, we can't avoid that plane. Like for us, it's not, you know, we're told for like a high master, it's non-existent, but, but for us, it's a very real field. And especially for humanity writ large, we can't avoid it. So as you said, the other, the other D, one of the other D's discrimination, you know, of, of knowing the right, um, the true from the false, et cetera, et cetera. All three of them have to be seen together. And detachment from that which is unuseful for the soul other than the soul itself. So thank you. Thank you so much, Judith. I look forward to watching that movie as well. It seems very interesting. Um, David Trice does have his hand raised. So David, we'll go to you. You hear me? Yes, we can. Go ahead, David. Oh, thank you. Um, the the uh, Tibetan speaks a great deal about cleansing the aura and cleansing of all discords in uh, Discipleship in the New Age, Volume 1, page 102, is a meditation on cleansing the etheric vehicle and cleansing the aura. I just thought everybody would like to know that in case they accused them to read more about it. Thank you. Thank you, David. Um, Judith, do you see any comments you'd like to read from the chat? There's a very interesting one. Um, I think Wendy Stewart, um, on the emotional plane, we're not open to the soul. That's a quote from the talk, but we cannot forget the heart, another sentence quoted. And she says, the heart response can feel emotional. Um, absolutely, I agree with that. But I noticed a very, I was beginning to notice a very important distinction. Often you can feel um, with your head. So it's, it's almost like a higher level feeling. And I think such a thing does exist. And I, I'm being very practical, right, with this, but... Um, um, you can notice sometimes where emotions are actually in your body. Do they come from the, where do you feel them? Solar plexus, heart, higher mind. Obviously, we would like the higher mind eventually. That, that would be the best. Thanks, Judith. I see another one here from Susan Vallas. The longest journey is when to know when to use this. Is this intuition the higher mind? Question mark. I guess it's like when to apply these, these principles in like an action, you know, perhaps she means like when to speak, when to remain silent, when to detach and when to- Yes, you know, yes, that's, and that's To how cultivate I, yeah. empathy or something, you know. Yeah. I mean, definitely you could say it's the intuition, but I would say also it's just the conscience, you know, perhaps as well. We have another so I think it, go, it, it, go ahead, sorry, go ahead. Just what I would add to this very um, 
quickly, Michael, is it, I think it's very important to use what we know immediately on the physical plane, practically. Like, depending on how far we are on this journey, put it into practice. Yeah. And then probably you go faster forward. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Sorry. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So often it's easy to just not act when we should and then to act when we shouldn't. <laughs> you know, I think we've all experienced that. At least I have. It's not easy. Um, we can go to Maya hand raised. I've asked you to unmute. I don't know if you got that prompt. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you for the presentations. Um, it was, I think it is extremely timely, as Judith said, um, that we have a lot of people, our fellow humans, that are working at more of an emotional level. Um, when I think about this issue, I really have to think about the difference between um, emotions and wisdom. Because wisdom or consciousness is something that is gained through experience. And I think what you just said, Judith, was a perfect segue into what I was thinking or wanted to share. Um, we can have all of these ideas that we encounter in the Ageless Wisdom, but just at, as it's written at the beginning of every one of the blue books, the quote from the, um, the Buddha, don't believe something just because I've told you, believe it because you know it from your own experience to be true. Um, I think wisdom means applied and we have to go deeply into our experience and really see it and understand it. Detachment and dispassion are gained through that process and wisdom is the result. And that's when we can really be helpful to the people around us because we have deep compassion for their experience having gone through it ourselves, but we've learned the detachment and the dispassion necessary to transcend it and have wisdom, gained wisdom from it, and therefore to be truly helpful. So there's a lot of things that we're trying to learn or trying to apply, but it is a process. And you know, now that we're going into the Aquarian age and all of this need to really ground things and materialize it, this is going to be the most important thing that we have to understand in that process. Thank you, Maya. <clears throat> so Judith, I think it's about time to uh, finish up the webinar to close now. Do you have anything to say in closing before we to our final moment of silence. I just want to say thank you to the group because I think I think part of the journey to accumulate the wisdom wisdom which is the result is is actually meeting up regularly, um, and I, I I find this always very helpful. Um, just you know, I work together, so thank you. Thank you, Judith, and thank you, everyone. Let us close now with a moment of silence.
Thank you.